The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Brought panic to their minds The evil of that hour Was stronger than the sun That beat on them With nowhere left to run The chariots of Egypt Drew nearer as they cried Yet Moses stood there calmly With a fearless faith inside He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. And then the Red Sea parted, for now there was a
the Israelites went through that Red Sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians says that they died that day and they were resurrected that day. Tells us that this was baptism. They were now going to enter into the wilderness. But first, they're going to sing a song of praise and worship before Almighty God. I want to read that to you. This is one of the first songs ever recorded, let alone recorded in the Scripture. And what's so shocking about this song that I'm going to share with you is that it's very plain, it's very elegant, it's very simple. It doesn't speak of of myths and dragons and uncertainties. No, it's very certain. It's cleanly written. It comes straight from the heart of God through Moses. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he's hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who oppressed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. But the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you lead the people who have that you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. The anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. 
The people of Cana will melt away. Tear and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, O Lord. Until the people you brought pass by, you will bring them in and you will plant them on the mountains of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established, the Lord will reign forever and ever. Miriam led the people in this chorus. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness, the wilderness of Shur. And for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. The wilderness has a purpose. It has a twofold purpose. First, the wilderness is meant after we are baptized into Jesus Christ, after we have been resurrected in the newness of life, we go to the wilderness always. You cannot get to the promised land. You cannot get to heaven without going through the wilderness. Now, the wilderness has two purposes. First, it reveals to our hearts who we are. It uncovers all the wickedness, the shallowness, the meanness. We are uncovered by the Holy Spirit. The second thing that happens is the Holy Spirit, by the power of Jesus, demonstrates for us his glorious love and mercy. He removes every bondage. He breaks all sin from our hearts. He sanctifies us wholly, completely. Now, if you have no awareness of what I'm speaking of when I, when I tell you of the wilderness, if you do not have an awareness of being in the wilderness today, it is because you are still in the world. Now, there are those whom I sternly disagree with who believe that you, when you're baptized into Jesus Christ, are then free to go out and live your life pretty much as you choose. You can marry whomever you choose. You can walk as you choose. As long as you're not committing overt sin. But of course, they believe we all sin. They have not rightly understood the Gospel of John, chapter 15, where it's very clear that we must be connected to the vine, that we have no life outside of the vine and that we must remain in Jesus, and that we are his servants. We are not free agents. 
We are not free to go and marry whomever we choose. We're not free to go out and live our life as we choose to live it. We are in Jesus Christ, and we are in step with the Holy Spirit. But I want to give you more understanding of what I'm speaking of when I say the wilderness journey. And I'm going to again turn to this wonderful, godly man who's now passed on to his reward, Arthur Pink, in his book, Gleanings in Exodus. I want to share with you his description of what the wilderness is all about. He says it in such an exemplary way. I could not say it nearly as well as Arthur Pink has said it. Now, as I said before, I disagree with his Calvinistic leanings, but I fellowship with him because he believes in holiness. And he believes that if you walk in sin, it's because you've never been saved. I can fellowship that way. John Wesley was able to fellowship. He was able to fellowship with with Calvinists who believed in holiness. The issue is whether we believe in sinning Christians or whether we are washed in the blood. Let me share with you. This is very exciting stuff. And then we're going to address very plainly the issue of walking in the wilderness. I am very conscious that I am walking and have been now for many years in an utter wilderness. He writes, It is only when Christian's faith lays hold of his oneness with Christ in his death and resurrection, recognizing that he is a new creature in him, that he becomes conscious of, quote, the wilderness, unquote. Just in proportion as we apprehend our new standing before God and our position and our portion in his Son, so will this world become to us a dreary and desolate wilderness. To the natural man, the world offers much that is attractive and alluring. But to the spiritual man, all in it is only vanity and vexation of spirit. To the eye of sense, there is much in the world that is pleasant and pleasing. But the eye of faith sees nothing but death written across the whole scene. Change and de- decay is all around. It has much which ministers to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, but nothing whatever for the new nature. So far as the spiritual life is concerned, the world is simply a wilderness, barren, and desolate. He's right. 
the world has nothing to offer you. Not in its culture, not in its music, not in its entertainment. And if you're feasting on these things and you think you're walking with Jesus, but you have no concept of the desperate wilderness you are in, then you have missed it. I come heartbroken today for America. I come heartbroken for many Americans who are caught in Afghanistan. Some 40,000 or 50,000 Americans are caught in Afghanistan, and the, the Biden administration is not giving first priority to these Americans. Rather, he's pushing them to the end of the line, and they're bringing in thousands of, of young men aged for war, but who were cowardly and would not fight the Taliban. And they're bringing them as refuge, refugees into America. The Taliban has now begun going door to door. They are raping women. They are killing those who cooperated with Americans. They are torturing. They have brought an utterly violent, brutal, and wicked dictatorship to the people of Afghanistan. I don't think we should have ever gone there in the first place. But we spent 2.2 trillion American dollars in that debacle. A friend of mine who is, for years, a contract worker in Afghanistan doing audits of the Pentagon, tells me of the countless numbers of dollars utterly wasted. It breaks my heart when I see America utterly failing. We've been at war for years. Not declared by Congress, but by declared by wicked men in the presidency. Wicked administrations who lied to the American people. This decay, this violence, this untold misuse of our military. We have the best military in the world. I respect our men and women in uniform. I began my ministry as a, as a naval chaplain. I love the military, but this wicked joint chiefs of staff, they brought in every evil thing to the military, trying to weaken it and destroy it. Why did our military lose the war in Afghanistan? Simply because Evil policies were in place that restricted their ability to defend themselves. Many times our men and women were fighting with their hands tied behind their backs. They were not free, even in the Vietnam War. And I lived through that ugly war. 
our men and women of valor were shamed. And so we are having another Saigon moment. I am ashamed. I am ashamed of the government of America. I don't trust it because of its wickedness. Now they turn homeland security against the American people and say, if you're not willing to take the jab, you're probably a terrorist. Lockdowns destroying American business. Such utter wickedness as we're watching and the rise of every perverse and evil thing in America. I tell you very honestly. I tell you very straight. America is the world. It is the wilderness. And in the coming weeks, we're going to see everything turned upside down. We're going to see a total, total change through September, October, and into November. We're going to see terrifying things happen in America. The Biden administration will be swept away. God is angry with America. We see the judgments of God already released upon this nation. Fires, storms, floods, volcanoes, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes. And now the hand of God has been withdrawn from our military force. I am grieved for America. But it is no longer loyal to Jesus Christ. America has thumbed its nose. It is the world. It is the wilderness. Don't look to America to satisfy the desires of your heart. Look to Jesus and to Jesus alone. He is our only hope. Now listen to more of Pink. The wilderness is the place of travelers, journeying from one country to another. None but a madman would think of making his home there. Precisely such is this world. And I would say precisely such is America. It is a place through which man journeys from time to eternity. And faith it is which makes the difference between the way in which men regard this world. The unbeliever, for the most part, is content to remain here in this wickedness. He settles down as though he were here to stay forever. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their land after their name. Every effort is made to promote his earthly sojourn, and when at last death claims him, he is he is loath to leave it. Far different is it with the believer, the real believer. His home is not here. He looks for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11.10 
Consequently, he is a stranger and a pilgrim here. Hebrews eleven thirteen. Canaan was the country which God gave to Abraham and his seed, and the wilderness was simply a strange land through which they passed on their way to their inheritance. And they went three days into the wilderness, and they found no water. This is verse 22. This is the first lesson which our wilderness life is is designed to teach us. There is nothing down here which can in any wise minister to that life which we have received from Christ. The pleasures of sin, the attractions of the world, no longer satisfy our hearts. The things which formerly charmed now repel us. The companionship we used to find so pleasing, this companionship has become distasteful to us. The things which delight the ungodly only cause us to groan in our hearts. The Christian who is in communion with his Lord finds absolutely nothing around him which can refresh his thirsty soul. For him, the shallow cisterns of this world have run dry. His cry will be that on the that of the psalmist, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth, For thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Psalm 63, verse 1. Here is the believer's resource. God alone can satisfy the longing of your heart. Just as he first He did the gracious word of the Savior, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So must the believer continue to go to Jesus, who alone has the water of life. That's Gleaning in Exodus by Arthur W. Pink. I love this brother. He has spoken truly. Now, I want to be very clear with you today. I don't mean to offend, but I do mean to be very, very straight. We've come to a time when we cannot speak soft and comforting words one to another. It's time for us to speak the truth boldly to one another and call one another to turn aside from the wilderness and to come into the ark of safety, to come into Jesus Christ and have the Pesach of God, the wing of God, covering us and protecting us from the world, the flesh, and the devil. If you somehow are still imagining that you can walk boldly in this world, feasting on the things of darkness, you have been utterly deceived. 
I received a call yesterday after the broadcast from one dear believer who said to me, Pastor, I've been listening for a while. And I have to tell you, I've been utterly deceived. I've been lied to by, by preachers. They've not taught me the truth. And this dear believer is now waking up. Waking up to the fact that Jesus is everything for her. Waking up to the fact that she can't continue to walk in her sin and indifference and enjoy the flesh. But now she must turn to Jesus with all of her heart. I praise God for this precious woman. A man called me this morning. One of our listeners. He said, Pastor, I'm angry. I said, why are you angry? He said, because I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting the things I want in my life. I'm not being successful like I need to be in my business. I'm not having the relationships and the friendships that I want. I want to live a normal American life, and my normal American life is not taking place. Instead, I'm having troubles constantly. I'm constantly faced with difficulties. Why? Why does God treat me this way? It was all I could do to hold my peace. I didn't do a very good job. I listened as he moaned and groaned and complained against God. And finally I said to him, You've listened to me and you've watched my testimony. You've listened to my testimony. You've seen how I live. I do not live for what I can get out of Jesus Christ. You've seen me go through deep trauma. My wife, my precious wife Jan, died in my arms of cancer. You watched me. You knew me then. You've watched as, as I've had difficulty after difficulty. Have you ever heard one word of grumbling from my mouth? No, you have not, and you never will. Because I don't serve Jesus for what I can get out of him. I serve Jesus because he is worthy to be served. I serve Jesus because he has loved me and he's lifted me up out of the darkness and he's made me a citizen of the kingdom above. I don't serve Jesus so I won't have troubles in this life. I serve Jesus because in every trouble, he comforts my heart and carries me through to victory. These light and momentary problems that I have in my life are nothing compared to what Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. It's a pleasure for me to go through hardships in this life and in this world because I know that they will bring a great reward on the other side. Well, he didn't like my answer. He said, well, I just don't want anybody to control me. 
And the way you preach, Pastor, you talk about the Holy Spirit having to control every action you take. I don't want the Holy Spirit to control me. I want to be in charge of my own life. I said, then, please, don't let me stop you. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Go serve the devil and go to hell because that's where you're going. I said some more things that were very straight, very honest. And then I said, I have to get ready for radio today. I'm going to bear testimony. I'm going to encourage people to walk with boldness through this wilderness journey and not pay any attention to what this world has to offer. I said, I have to go. And I hung up. just before coming on the air. Minutes before I came on, he called me. I took his call. He said, Pastor, I've repented. I have surrendered. You're right. I was worshiping Jesus only for what I could get. And that is selfish. I don't want to live like that. I am going to follow Jesus. I rejoiced with him. And I prayed with him. I pray the victory sticks. They walked for three days in that wilderness and they could not find any water. And they ran out. Serving Jesus Christ does not rescue us from the painful trials of this world. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are volunteering to journey through a desert land with snakes and scorpions, and you may face death in that land. But, oh, my blessed Lord, walked this path before us. We cannot walk expecting Jesus to only bless us. If that were true, our heart would not be tested. Remember, I said there are two purposes for us to go through the wilderness journey. The first purpose is to expose the selfishness and the flesh of our hearts. Can I be real honest? Some of you satisfy the longing of your hearts with violent movies, with illicit sex, with pornography. Some of you satisfy the longing of your heart with watching professional sports by going after the money. Your heart is filled with anger and bitterness. You're very, very busy searching after everything the world can give you. You suck on the teat of the world. 
and yet you claim you're a Christian. That's not what a Christian does. We're going to face, in the near future, some very violent and difficult times in America. God is going to bring judgment upon this nation. The judgments we've seen so far have been very mild compared to the judgments that are coming. How are you going to weather those judgments? How are you going to weather the wicked government doing lockdowns and demanding masks and demanding jabs with an illicit substance that is very dangerous for your life? How are you going to face the mark of the beast? It's coming. How are you going to handle when they say you can't buy or sell if you don't have this mark? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ where you trust him, where you eat his broken body and you drink his spilled blood and you walk in victory over the world, the flesh and the devil, and you're powerful in your testimony and in your spirit? I received a call from a precious believer who listens every day. As we spoke about the Lord, she said to me, talking with you, Pastor, about the Lord is sitting down to a wonderful meal. I feast on the things of God. She just went through a very long fast. And she saw the glory of God revealed to her. She saw the glory of God. She recognizes she's walking through a barren land. And there is nothing in this world that satisfies the cry of her heart. She belongs to Jesus. And her testimony is so bold wherever she goes. She goes to the grocery store and there she witnesses and talks about Jesus. Her workplace. People now are coming to her and asking for prayer. And asking for advice because she's become so powerful in the spirit in her testimony, in her witness. She is connected to the heavenly vine. She's not sucking off the teat of the world. She is feasting on the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus, and he's providing for her a meal in the desert. Now, lest you think that my heart is sorrowful as I walk through this wilderness, it's not. My heart is filled with joy. Yes, I face very real problems. 
I face financial needs. I face health issues. I face problems with our with our setup that allows me to come and broadcast on the radio and also live on the streaming internet. I have family members who curse me, who think I'm a fool for following Jesus the way I do. Some have not spoken to me for a very long time. I've lost friends and family. But in all of this, I rejoice. It hurts. And then I laugh with joy as Jesus comes and pours in the oil and the wine and binds up my wounds. I want to be in the world a wounded healer. Yes, wounded by the devil's arrows when I don't hold up strongly enough my shield of faith. Wounded, yes, by the, by the harshness of the world. But in the midst of all of that, my heart rejoices. I have the joy of the Lord. I wake up in the morning with a song on my lips and words of praise for Jesus. I go to bed at night. I fall asleep quickly because I'm praising Jesus and worshiping him as I drift off into my sleep. Through the day, I'm reading the scripture. I'm ministering to people. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm waiting on the Lord. He's made some phenomenal promises to me. And I'm standing by faith that every one of those promises will be fulfilled in the name of Jesus and by his shed blood. I'm not living with doubts. I'm not living with fear. Because to fear is to expect punishment. I don't expect punishment from Jesus. I have repented of every known sin. I have surrendered to him. I am walking out in this desert under that cloud, under that cloud of God's covering. And he is feeding me the manna of heaven. And I'm on my way to the promised land. I'm on my way to Cana land. Now we're going to walk together in the coming days through the story of the children of Israel in the desert. This is a blueprint of how we must also walk and pointing out what they did that resulted in their dying in the wilderness even though they walked under the cloud of God's protection. They utterly rejected his discipline. They would not believe in him. They were angry that they had to walk in the wilderness. They wanted the world. 
And finally, God said, I'm not going to let you have the world. I'm going to just cause you to die in this wilderness, and your children will go into the promised land. Oh, my brother, my sister. I don't want to die in the wilderness under the hand of God's judgment. I don't want to walk in the wilderness questioning and doubting and not believing the word of God. I don't want to go exploring and seeing if I can find the quail on my own. I don't want to go see if I can find a shortcut to Cana land. The Amalekites are out there. And they kill the stragglers. I want to walk boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to live righteously by the power of His blood. I want no known rebellion or sin in my heart. I'm not going to lust after money or cars or houses or clothing. I'm going to walk clean in the blood of Jesus, by the power of his blood. Now please, salvation requires two things. One, it requires an atoning lamb. And Jesus is my atoning lamb. Read Revelation, the fifth chapter. And secondly, it requires the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is almighty and all-powerful. It is the lion and the lamb of Jesus Christ that has provided this glorious place for us to walk through in victory in the wilderness. Even though it looks like we may die in the wilderness. If I die in the wilderness because Jesus has not yet come, I will be taken swiftly into the presence of my Lord. I will not be cast into prison to wait for the final judgment. And I challenge you right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, will you surrender your life and walk through the world as though it were a wilderness Will you turn aside from its entertainment? Will you turn aside from everything you think the world has to offer? Will you stop sucking on the teat of the world, the devil? And will you eat the broken bread of Jesus Christ's broken body? Will you drink his blood? Will you utterly, totally, completely surrender right now to Jesus Christ? Or will you walk like the children of Israel in unbelief and disobedience and rebellion against the Most High God? Will you give up playing Christian? Will you get on your face and confess your sins before Almighty God? And will you stay there until He tells you He has forgiven you? And he has washed you. 
Will you allow the Lamb of God to wash away your sins? Will you allow the line of the tribe of Judah to take you in victory? To walk with him in purity of heart. The Lord does not desire to condemn you. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Will you decide now? Almighty God, the decision is right there before every person listening. And they must either run away from this broadcast and turn it off and not come again. Or they must decide to lay down their weapons of war and surrender everything to you, Jesus, and trust you to carry them through this wilderness journey to feed you, to protect you, to clothe you. Lord, would you, would you cause them to trust you to do these things? Will you turn aside from all that is of the world, the flesh, and the devil? And will you testify to a brother or to a sister, a friend, a Someone, would you go testify to them that you have decided today that you will follow Jesus and you will walk through this wilderness with your head held high and you will praise the name of Jesus Christ and you will serve him and him alone. You will be his servant. Oh Lord, move now in the hearts of your children to make this decision and cause them to seal it with confession of sin, repentance, and vows of loyalty to you, Jesus Christ. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, welcome. If you made that covenant, welcome to the desert, to the wilderness. We'll walk together to Cana land. I want to thank those of you who have been giving and covering the cost of doing this radio broadcast. I cannot thank you enough. I am humbled by your gifts. I don't take one gift for granted. Thank you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 23 46, Woodbridge, Virginia. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. The zip is 22195. That's 22195. Now you can also go to our webpage, and I urge you if you're listening today, or watching on the YouTube, would you subscribe to our channel? That will give us wider coverage. Google will put us in more places for people to find. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com And as you sign up, as you join us, 
Would you pray for me? Would you lift me up in your prayers that I will have the courage to speak honestly with compassion and tenderness? My father in the faith, Pastor David Wilkerson, shook his finger in my hand at the very beginning. And he said, Raymond, Brother Raymond, preach righteousness with mercy. Preach judgment with mercy. Yes, sir, I will. That's the message of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you today. I love you with all my heart. I'll talk to you soon.